Welcome to the Her Sweet Spot Experience, dishing out tips and tricks on mindset, money, marketing, and media for your life and business, and where we talk to women about how they found their sweet spot. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Marsha Guerriere. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Kathleen Meredith, writer and founder of the Fat Girls Dance Movement. I am so excited to talk to her today. You guys know how I love to start each show and by giving you guys some tips and tricks that I learned along the way in this game of entrepreneurship, right? So today's tip is all about the mindset in special honor of our guest today. So today's tip is really believing in yourself and your business. Honestly, guys, we are the most resilient creatures on this planet and we need to build that resiliency by believing in ourselves, by believing in our businesses and knowing that what we're working on, what you are currently working on in your life, in your career or business, it is the next best thing. And only you can exude and elude that awesome belief and positivity within yourself to your potential customers. So I want you guys to remember that you must always believe in yourself, believe in your product, believe in your service, so that that is what connects you to your target market. People buy primarily from a feeling, sometimes not even needing what you are selling, but because you are able to let them see and feel your energy of positivity and be most awesome, excited about your product, they will feel that. You got to keep negative people away from your spirit, mind, body, and soul so that you can continue building the business of your dreams. All right, guys, we are going to come right back. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with our special guest today, Miss Kathleen Meredith. Her Sweet Spot is an online community for women influencers, leaders, and small business owners that offer coaching, education, resources, and networking opportunities for those looking to start or grow a business. We are the go-to incubator for success-driven solo CEOs who need their own team of C-suite coaches. Here's where she will find her sweet spot in mindset, money, marketing, and media. To learn more, visit www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Her Sweet Spot Experience, bringing you amazing guests and content in mindset, money, marketing, and media. Now guys, I need y'all to go grab your pens and paper because you never know what our guests will be dropping on you and those nuggets and aha moments that you will be receiving on from our show. Let me start by telling you a little bit about our special guest. Kathleen Meredith is a writer, influencer, public speaker, and positivity igniter, originally from Sacramento, California. In addition to completing her first novel, she is passionate about theater, dance, Mexican food, nonprofit work, unicorns, traveling, bacon, and all other things awesome sauce. Guys, I want you to help me welcome and clap it in for Kathleen Meredith. Hey. I'm clapping. 
<laughs> hey Kathleen, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you on our show today. I'm so excited to be talking to you about the phenomenal movement that you have created. And let me tell you, from one plus size female to another, you are my shero, and I love to dance. I just wish my <laughs> knees, my my knees agreed with me in this stage. <laughs> Well, thank you for being on our show. So it says in your bio that you're originally from Sacramento, California. Tell me more about where you are now. If you're originally from there, it doesn't say where you where you currently reside. Okay. And tell us more about you. Okay. So um, I currently live in uh, New York. I'm just rounding up 10 years here in New York and I love it. Two years. All right. Now well, I'm a New Yorker. We are, we are coming to you guys live from New York. All right. <laughs> I love it. Welcome. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess uh, what um, I've gotten the most push from is um, the movement that I created called Fat Girls Dance, um, which is a worldwide a movement been on trashing body and stereotypes through the universal language of dance. Um, and that movement went viral. It started off as kind of like an online challenge. And now it's a movement all across the world. Um, in May of uh, 2017, we released a three minute film with Dove uh, Real Beauty Productions and Shonda Rhimes. Um, I read a podcast with uh, Dr. Stacy Berman. And um, we, on that podcast, we discussed bodies and minds and the science behind what we think. And um, I'm currently working with Ohio State University on a media project that works towards the eradication of obesity bias in the medical community and uh we've been featured in the real uh, uh tv daytime show essence um nbc today healthline mike media and a bunch of other publications so um and i'm currently working on the fat girls dance book oh my god guys if you haven't i i saw your interview with uh sandra and the look of surprise on your face <laughs> when she walked in, right? It, you guys, if you had it, that, I know that had to be an amazing, awesome moment. Yeah, she's pretty incredible and very chill. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as say, you know, we'd be brunching it up, you know, but every time... <laughs> many opportunities to work with her and every time I got a chance to work with her she's just so earnest and authentic and great and I really like that about her for her to be a person of her caliber and all that she's created and done for her to be so real uh, is really right. refreshing. yeah she's kind of awesome yeah you could see that from from her and so in your bio as I mentioned at the top you are a writer and you just mentioned that you are working on a book for the movement. Is yes. that what I just heard you say? So yes. tell me, tell myself and our listeners, what type of books do you write? What have you written? Because it says you published your first novel. So oh, what what did it. you I write about? Publish it. Yeah, I wrote it. I didn't publish it. Um, I was uh, going through the, through the, uh, the, process of getting it published when Fat Girls Dance kind of happened. And so um, I was looking to start on my on my second book and I wanted to write a book called Fat Girls Dance Fiction, um, but I realized I didn't have a lot of material on it. And um, while I was talking to a lot of my dancer friends and stuff, I kind of decided, well, what if I was the, the research? So um, over the course right. of the one year 
um, research project, I didn't anticipate that it would grow to what it is now. Um, I didn't anticipate that it would be this nationwide movement. So now I'm kind of facilitating this movement, especially online, um, and uh, doing, we do a dance class once a week, free dance class every uh, Monday um, in Harlem. Facilitating all of this on top of trying to finish the dance, the dance, excuse me, trying to finish the book has been like a lot. Um, and again, yes. really unanticipated. I really thought that I would do the research and then write the book and kind of go on with my life. Um, but that's not how it happened. And it turns out the first book that I wrote is not going to be the first book that gets published. Now it's going to be Fat Girls Dance because I already have a bunch of people already interested in the book. So I'm like, okay, life just does not work out <laughs> the way you plan it to work out. Isn't that something? So yeah. let me ask you, do, are you a woman of faith? Do you believe yes, in ma'am. God? And yes, so ma'am. you know that things that we set out to do when it is his time for you, he is actually the one directing our steps. So it is such great work to see how you have evolved and how you're, so essentially the fat girl dance movement became a big business for you. It did, yes. It became um, a business and a movement and um, possibly a clothing line um, that a couple of people have been interested in. Just all of these things that I did not anticipate. I really just set out to start working on another book because I had finished my first book and I don't know anyone who's ever tried to get a book published, but it's, it's arduous work. And so I kind of felt like I was losing kind of my creativity and working on getting it published. I was like, oh, let's just yeah. work on the next book while you're getting it published and see what happens. And then this, yeah. and so this kind of took control. But I would say, I will say what happened with Fat Girls Dance more than wanting to write a book was I really kind of saw, um, how can I put this? There really was a need that I did not know was needed. And what I mean by right. that is I have been a fat girl my whole life I have always loved myself. I've always been confident. I come from a pretty fluffy family. So there was never this sense of, oh, you're the fat one. Oh, you're ugly. No, I was lit. I always had a pretty good life. Right, <laughs> right, never, right. I never felt this self-hate that is pretty ubiquitous throughout the, the journey of a fat girl. And yeah. I did realize that there was this message and this necessity for fat girls to have visibility and acceptance that that was so completely missing in the life of a plus size woman. Um, and when I started doing the research and started working with Ohio state and started doing the, the, the science and all of this behind it, I was like, Whoa, this is an epidemic, not just an epidemic of, um, of self hate, but an epidemic of um, this, the difference between this cosmetic health and actual health. The, the idea that, you know, you can be plus size, you know, and still be healthy, not have high blood pressure, not have diabetes, and people still kind of assume that you're trash. They assume that you're yeah. they assume that you're not smart. They assume that you're making a choice to be fat, and they also assume that you're just ugly and you sit in the corner by the punch bowl. And I'm like, I have fun. I enjoy myself. I laugh. I dance. I date. I have sex. You know, it's like that's not all that. All that we do. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not necessarily a narrative that is that that 
quiet girl in the, by the punch bowl isn't necessarily my narrative. And I know it's not the narrative of so many people. So the idea of fat girls dance kind of became a metaphor for fat girls do everything. You know, I found fat girls hiking groups, fat girls scuba diving groups, fat girls, you know, doing all of these amazing things because we do it. And I knew it, but the fact that it's a surprise to people, you know, right. surprise that we do all of these things. I mean, my greatest dream is that one day, the fat girls dance Instagram account and the fat girls dance website is something I can shut down because people will stop being surprised that we, right. <laughs> you know, it's just, Oh, wow. Listen, it, some of, some of the things we're, we're still dealing with as a, as a culture yeah. it are still prevalent today. So you could, you could bet your website will be up as long as the internet is alive. So <laughs> there will be no need or there will be a time where someone somewhere will always have something negative and something, you know, um, th those prejudices against plus size, particularly women. Men don't get it as much as women do, right? Oh my God. I mean, when I'm telling you, when I started doing the research behind this, the idea that um, the obesity epidemic that they talk about in America is split right down the middle between men and women, but 84% yeah. of the people getting like gastric bypass surgeries and things like that are women because we right. still are equating our value with this impossible beauty standard that is completely unrealistic to the majority of what women look like. Um, right. And it's really really, really interesting. Um, once I started unpacking that, and again, not knowing that this was my journey, not knowing that this was, you know, one of those Moses moments where it's like, there, there's mm -hmm. something that needs to happen in this area. And um, I was like, we can talk about liberation. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody else's, you know, the, the stories that I've heard simply from dance classes, the emails that I get, you know, the conversations that I have from, with people, there is so much pain. And there is, and, and you know, it's, it's within, you know, it's not just society or the internet, you know, this is within your family. This is, you know, oh, your, yeah. um, an auntie, you know, somebody just telling you your value is in your weight and you know what you're, you're not cute enough. You're not right. right. Or you're no one will date right you or no one will hire you. Exactly. You know, exactly. It, it, it starts within the home sometimes, <laughs> that, that abusive, negative um, feedback. So with the stories and, and the impact, tell me about the impact that you have first. How, how, what path were you really on? Were you just a writer and the, 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 the movement was, or the dancing? How, how did it really come into play? Were, what was your career choice? Where were you headed? Yeah, so I moved to New York uh, to write. I wanted to, I started off writing plays. So um, I have a theater background. I've always been an actor and, and being an actor and doing, working on musical theater, um, I've had to do like, you know, dancing training, singing training, um, writing training, but I found that I found that writing and directing was kind of where I, where I felt the most comfortable. That's where mm -hmm. I like, stuff. I'm a control freak. I like telling people what to say instead of people telling me what to do. So <laughs> I really got excited about writing and telling stories. And then I started kind of writing books, you know, as an extension of writing plays, but performing arts has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. Um, so I would say dance has been a part of my life since I was a little kid and dance had become not so much a, um, dance had become not so much a career choice as a 
thing that I did when I needed to let off some steam. I would go to, yeah. I would go find myself in a West African class or, you know, one of those fun Broadway movement classes or, you know, yeah. over in Alvin Ailey or dancing at church. That's and where, what better place, what yeah. better place in New York to find all of that. Exactly, right. Exactly. So dance was always just fun. What I never understood. And I started to realize only since I got to New York, um, was, was the comments that I got when people would watch me dance were kind of negative. I didn't understand them at first. I thought they were just compliments. And because I'm a theater person, I'm like, yes, love me, adore me, woohoo. But I <laughs> that the comments were a little backhanded. It was more like, whoa, you can really move for a fat, for a fat girl. Yeah, you up, really yes. for, yeah, the shock, you know, that when I walk into a dance class, I go in the front. I like being in front. Yeah. Horror, you know, so of course I'm going to walk to the front of the class. I never hung out in the back. And, you know, even though it might take me a little longer to get it because I'm not a natural dancer, I don't call myself a natural dancer. Once I get it, I'm slaying it. You know, it's like, all right, got it. I got the choreo. Now let's kill it. You know, that's kind of how yeah. I And every room I went into, including when I would dance at church, um, every space that I went into, there was always a modicum of surprise. Mm -hmm. um, not just of my abilities to the dance, but my energy behind the dance. And I just yeah. kind of started noticing, that's where the idea for the book first came from. I started noticing, it's like, wow, y'all don't know that fat girls dance. And dance being an, ex, an expression of everything. You know, we dance through life. We do everything. We are just normal yeah. human beings. We just weigh a bit more. You know, and, and so right. But there is this surprise that you and this idea, predetermined notion that you are supposed to shit, sit down and shut up if you're fat. So um, that's where the idea for the book came. But it was just an idea of a book. And I had an idea for a lot of books. So it wasn't even on my radar as a book I wanted to do. I wanted to finish my first book first and then um, which was just kind of like about growing up and my childhood and stuff like that um and that book was good people liked it but I wasn't getting like lit agents were like I like it but you know and I was right a really big rewrite and I just didn't have the emotional creative energy to do it and so I was like well why don't you start working on another book and then maybe you can come back to this you know maybe you just need a break you know and yeah. so I took a little break started looking at fat girls dance but when I started writing fat girls dance I realized that I didn't have a lot of research about what I wanted to write. I write fiction. So I was like, it's fiction, but I still need a little bit of, you know, I need some meat on the bones. Backstory, so right. Yeah, I kind of wanted to follow around maybe like a plus size dancer or two. I couldn't find any. Surprisingly, after I started Fat Girls Dance, I found a ton in New York alone, but now I found them all over the world. Um, plus size dance groups and stuff like that. So because I couldn't find one to, to follow at the time, I kind of decided that I would be my own research. I also have a marketing and graphic design background, social media background. That's kind of how I pay my bills. I do freelance graphic design, social media, and marketing work. The idea of one dance every week for a year in my branding brain made sense. I was like, oh, right. that's cool. We could do like an online challenge. We could ask people to join us. And I just thought it was going to be me and my bestie, um, my roommate, Raven. I was like, will you do this? We just like, hell yeah. It sounds like fun. So <laughs> we yeah. just we're going to do it together. But then all of a sudden, all these other girls started joining, not just for a dance, but saying, no, we're going to dance with you for the whole year. I'm like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I don't even know what this <laughs> is. You know, it's like a dance company, you know, it's like, we're just right. doing this online challenge. It, it's, it was very nebulous. And so 
Um, the fact that people jumped on so excitedly and were completely on board to seeing those videos drop every Friday and I started getting videos <clears throat> from around the world to post. People started following us like crazy. Dove and Shonda Rhimes reached out to us. And at the time we had barely any followers on social media. I have no idea how they found us, uh, but they did. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so, so encouraging because there's so many of our listeners out there believing that there is connection to your next level to those number of followers. So what you're saying right now is such confirmation, things that I tell them all the time. Let's stop focusing on those numbers and just give whoever's watching exactly what they want. Exactly what they want. And I think a big thing um, when people ask me this well, um, as well, because we have like 15,000 followers now, we've got good followers on YouTube, and we, you know, we have built a brand and a name. Um, we trademarked Fat Girls Dance, and, you know, we're parlaying that into a book, and Fat Girls Dance is only moving higher, and it's amazing. But I also when people ask me, you know, cause I have social media, I, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And a big question mm -hmm. they always ask me is, you know, so how do I make something go viral? How do I, I was like, well, you know, going viral <laughs> is simply not, you know, something, you know, if we posted one video, it never would have happened. It was the consistency. Right. You know, I was like, if you want to drop this video and make this thing go viral, what's your next six videos? Because right. when Ellen's going to see it, that's when someone from The View is going to see it. You know, it's simply not going to be, you know, oh, it, it, it was just a fluke. You know, it, that, that's extraordinarily rare. That's lightning in a bottle. And I think if you want to get people to start noticing you, it has to be this, I'm working my ass off and branded partners like to see that, you know, so there right. needs to be some dedication to your brand and your work. And I promise you, I did not want to do it. When I, when I heard it in my head, <laughs> one dance every week for a year, I was like, I don't want to do that shit. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> my language, but like in my brain, I completely didn't want to do it. And everybody I ran it by from dancers to marketing people to my mentors, they're like, yes, yes, that's brilliant. Do it. I got no no's. The universe was saying no. And sometimes when it comes to what you want to do and create, that's going to be that really hard thing, that really exhaustive thing, that thing that's going to take everything out of you. That's yeah. going to make the difference because I promise you, faculty dance is still taking everything out of me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, success doesn't come with, um, without sacrifice and, and yeah. taking a lot out of you. What I say about the, the whole viral thing, I tell people, and I relate it back to real estate, right? Mm -hmm. The market, the market that dictates the price of your home, not what you believe it should be. It's what yeah. the collective outside and so right. going viral is not very, not, oftentimes it's not about what you think you're doing on purpose to go viral. It's what people believe and connect to that goes viral. And it's what I said at the, the top of the hour with believing in yourself and your business and that shines through. And hopefully maybe you'll be one of those like one hit wonders that, that uh, we talk about and we hear about so often. Uh, I am so like loving this conversation. We need to pause for a little break. We're going to come back. We're going to pause for a little break, guys. We're going to come back and I want to talk to you more about body positivity. All right. Guys, all right. We are talking to Kathleen Meredith. Be back in a second. You're listening to the Her Sweet Spot Experience. 
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to Her Sweet Spot Experience. We are here with our special guest, Kathleen Meredith, writer and founder of the Fat Girls Dance Movement. So let's get right back into it, Kathleen. Let's talk about body positivity. Okay. I know within your message that that in, in your movement, it's all about what is body positivity, if you could tell our listeners. Such a good question. Uh, <laughs> body positivity um, is, in, in my brain, um, body positivity is the acceptance of your body as is. Not 10 pounds from now, not when you get, you know, that boyfriend that you've always wanted. Body positivity is acceptance of your body as it is right now. Um, body positivity is the, um, it's the rejection of beauty standards as given to us by the media. I think that's a big part of body positivity. I think another um, arm of body positivity is my body, my business. So it's however your body is it's me and my business between me and my doctor if i want to include my doctor into that conversation but it's basically me and respecting that me not having to explain my body and what i do and my choices and what i eat and how i work out me not having to explain that to anyone because it's my body and lastly i think body positivity is the acceptance of change so that means awesome. as your body ages that means if you if you felt like you needed to do gastric bypass surgery, no one should have any opinions about that but you. Um, it means that if you had a baby, you know, that's your business. If you lost a baby, that's your business. That means if my body goes up, down, and in circles, that's my business. So I feel like that's those are kind of the four pillars of body positivity to me. Fantastic. Well, how have you been faced with the opposite, right? The negativity. So body positivity being all things that are positive and encouraging. But was there ever a time for you before this movement, during this movement, especially now that it has evolved into business? And we know as entrepreneurs, we know that girl, things get turned left real quick. Has there ever been a time where you probably didn't feel as positive as you are then? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, I, I would say that everybody and probably even some men, but specifically women, um, statistically 91% of the female population, um, specifically in America is unhappy with their bodies. So that's all of us. That's at size. any size. Let's just at put that size. on the table. That's the at size, any size. size 22. We're talking 91% of the female population. We're talking at any age, at any size. You know, yep. this starts, the statistic that they have, they were starting with girls who were 10 years old. So, I mean, we're going across the gambit here. So I would be lying to you if I was like, no, I absolutely love my body at all times and all places. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would say, I, I would say for the most part, I have found that I am more confident and accepting of my body than a lot of women. Um, and I know that comes from the love and support that I had for my family. And I was raised with a lot of confidence. I know that that's just, it's nothing I earned. It was just in that, you know, that good spot, that 
place where you're learning yourself between zero to seven, my parents put some good stuff in there. And yeah. I didn't earn that. You know, I could have been a foster kid. I could have been on the street. I have did nothing to earn God putting me with a really good family. That was just right. what happened to me. So I feel like because of that almost birthright thing, I probably walk with a lot more confidence than a lot of women. But I will not go as far as to say that I do not have those feelings of, oh, God, I'm so friggin' fat. Yeah. You know, um, I, I call my, um, my tummy my Alfred Hitchcock tummy because it just goes out so far. Um, and it's like, <laughs> you would just kind of, why are you so far out? And I have like this flat booty and I don't like it. Um, and uh, th th all of those things that, you know, irritate you about your body. You know, you're like, right. I have really great legs and really great arms. It's like, if I could just get my stomach to run backward to my booty, I could be Instagram. <laughs> you know, it'd be great. <laughs> I got this belly and I got this flat booty and we're rocking and rolling. You know, we've been together for some years now and this is just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's how it is. But I, I feel like those, when those feelings come up, um, because they do, I feel for the most part, I just kind of sit with them. I own them. I let them kind of wash over me for a little bit. And then uh -huh. I go and do something that makes me feel fierce. Usually that's dancing. Um, that's dancing. I was going to say that. I was going to say, yeah. so how do you overcome it? Yeah. And please say that dance is a part of that. Dancing is absolutely a part of it. There's something about, and I, I again, I will not go as far to say that this happened overnight, but I've gotten to the point between doing that year of dance where I had to be looking at myself in the mirror two to three times a week. There's something that happens to your brain when you're having that much face time with you and that much face time with your body. So it's like all this time in the mirror, dancing, dancing, dancing. And then I have to go home and edit videos and watch myself dancing, dancing, dancing. I had gotten to the point where it's like, girl, you're kind of, you're all right. Okay. You're kind of fierce. <laughs> you really start kind of looking at, yourself differently and you build a little relationship with yourself that I know that when I get in the mirror with Kathleen, um, Kathleen and Kathleen have such a yeah. relationship that Kathleen can put Kathleen in a better mood, you know, yeah. um, that I can, I can say, Hey girl, you're good. You're doing this dance. You look cute. Uh, look at you. Ah, you, know, so, you know, I can yeah. like hanging out with a friend instead of hanging out with an enemy. Regrettably for a lot of women hanging out with you is like hanging out with an enemy. And this, this relationship that I have, this healing and this dis healing of the disconnection that I had with my body took time. You know, this started in 2016, it's 2019. I've been working on this really great, like I never hated, hated, hated myself, but this deep connected love I have with myself, that took some right. time in any relationship. You know, that take that took some time. So um, yes, I, ha I have a boyfriend who treats me amazingly. He loves my body and, you know, being with him, him like smacking my flat booty and being like, yeah, you know, <laughs> being is really hot and it's great, but that, if I didn't have him, I had me, you know, and that is incredibly helpful, you know. That that's awesome. I, I if you guys don't follow her on social media, I started following you on social media, and I saw you and your boyfriend. You guys are so adorable. Oh, you look so you. happy. We are, and that's awesome. I I commend you for all that you're doing in the, within this movement and for the women, and particularly the young girls that need to see 
women like you succeeding in, in, in this way. And I'm going to pivot it now towards the business end of who you are and what you do. So I learned on this call today that you are a marketing expert. I use the word expert because we're all experts in our own, right? And so tell me more about what you do and how you kind of leverage that to help you with your brand new business of the Fat Girls Dance Movement. Yeah, so um, I was living in the Caribbean for a while, and I got... All right, now, are you from the Caribbean? I am not from the Caribbean, no. I, what? My sister went to the med school out there, and my father wanted no. me to go out there with her so I could, in his words, make sure she didn't come back pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was that? Did she go to Ross? Um, and it's at Antigua in the West Indies. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's, a, my, my, there's, there's an American medical school on that island. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm familiar with Ross. It's Ross, Ross Medical School in um, Dominica. Oh. I have a cousin who, who attended there as well. So yeah. awesome. Yeah, she's my older sister. I don't know what he thought I was going to do. She didn't come back pregnant, but like for some reason, I guess he thought I could facilitate that. Anyhow. You know, <laughs> younger siblings are blockers. We block, yeah. we block. <laughs> Maybe he saw something I didn't know. He was like, you'll just automatically block just by being there. He knew. He knew the younger sister would block. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. So uh, she went out there for med school. I went out there to block, I guess. And I ended up working with a, um, a really great um, online marketing company that I ended up taking over. So I was running at like 22. I was running my own marketing company and had about 100 clients. It was really great. Um, but I, uh, my sister finished school, left, and I was still hanging out in the Caribbean running my company. <laughs> And oh, wow. I was like, I just kind of figured, you know, um, I kind of fell into this. I didn't, um, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was just something I happened to be good at, you know? And so I figured you kind of need to go to York and do the stuff you said you were going to do before you decide to, before, you know, we expand to other islands and this gets bigger, you know? So um, right. I left, I moved to New York and never looked back as New York is great and I love it. Um, but in terms of being a writer and um, career, you know, that kind of stuff is kind of hard to navigate without a J-O-B. And so right. um, graphic design, marketing, web design, social media management and uh, consulting has always been a way um, that I've been able to pay my bills um, because I'm, again, I'm really good at it. So I would say that I was able to, use those skills to help work on fat girls dance because I understood branding. Um, I understood marketing. I understood how things had to look the logo and all of that kind of stuff for fat girls dance. I designed um, the style, um, you know, the videos, all of that stuff was me. Um, and I, I definitely feel that getting uh, fat girls dance noticed. Um, I had a huge leg up because I understand marketing and I understand. Right. Not understand how things should look, um, and so uh, I feel like that's kind of how I made my dreams come true by kind of having my own marketing company in my brain. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it helps. It helps a lot. Um, and I'm part of a writing group, and um, they're always having these classes about you know how to get because regrettably when you send your book now to a lit agent, they want to know your platform, and your platform is your social media, how many people follow you, how many people like you, all that fun stuff. Right. And so, right. you know, learning 
all of those things. Um, you know, it's kind of unfair. You know, you have a person who's a writer and all they want to do is write. You're trying to ask them how many followers they have. Um, (laughs) It's kind of of hard, you know, to manage both. And so being able to do both or know both or understand both has absolutely, I think, given me a leg up to the point now when I'm sending my pitch to lit agents, they're not ignoring me because I have a ton of followers, you know, because they know who I am. So I feel like that does work in terms of leveraging where you want to be regrettably social media isn't going anywhere and people want to know how can we utilize that how can we right. learn? you know it's a question that people are always asking but before, I, I i will say this before you have a following because i did not all again did not always have the followers that i have now um and when i got some of my bigger deals um, I deal with Dove, my deal with Kleenex. Um, I didn't have all these followers. I ha- didn't even have 10K followers. So what I would say is um, if you don't have the followers, when people are looking for you, be on point. You know, that's really all I can say. Be beautiful, be streamlined, make sure your brand makes sense, even if you don't have the followers to back it up yet. Be on point, be beautiful, streamline. That's very important. Consistency, consistency in your brand throughout your different platforms, yes. right? Say that again. <laughs> you know. I'm telling, I tell my clients that all the time. I'm like, your Facebook looks looks like this, but your Instagram looks like this. You can't have both, man. Like, which direction are we going? You know, right? So important. And how important is knowing your target audience? Dear you God, um, so <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I'll say I'll say this: you got to know your story, and if you know your story, you know who it's for. You know, um, if you're writing Harry Potter, you know that audience. If you're writing Fifty Shades of Grey, you know that audience, right? So I feel like if you know your story, you kind of inherently know your target audience. Does that make sense? What is your yeah. brand trying to say, and why? Not trying to say. What is your brand saying, and why? And is anyone else saying it? How are you saying it better? And I think knowing that is how you're going to clue in to that target audience. You know, um, what do you want? What does this brand want? What does it need? Who is it speaking to? Um, I feel like knowing that starting with your story is always a good way to start. And then from a really good story, I can say, okay, this is, this is for teenagers. Okay. This is for moms over 40. Okay. This is for empty nesters. You know, you can hear that if your story is, as we said, consistent and right. if you know what that I, is. I tell my clients, look, usually it comes from yourself. What need did you fill? What were you looking for? And you are usually your first customer. Absolutely. So look at yourself, look at what you, or think about the message that you wanted to hear when you were seeking this type of service or product and speak to that, speak to yourself and get, get that uh, message across. So with that, now knowing you have this whole, are you still running your, um, your branding company? Do you have a staff and how did you go about fulfilling the need of um, working partnerships, collaboration, Oftentimes, entrepreneurs are so, so we cater to the solo C- CEO that really don't have the budget to hire staff. So we bring in that coaching and I facilitate them with additional coaches in my network to fill those needs in mindset, money, marketing, and media. So what, what are you doing to make sure that your business is 
growing and can scale at the growth because you, you have this big movement. I'm sure business is not uh, slowing down for you. No, no. Uh, Fat Girls Dance nor um, my marketing and branding business, which is called Singham Creative Labs. Uh, neither one is slowing down. Um, and uh, it is exhausting, Marcia. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Very exhausting. The idea is that I can slow down on Singham Creative Labs, finish the book, do Fat Girls Dance full time, parlay that to a Netflix special in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yes, amen. I received that for you. I received that for you. Right walk away from CM Creative Labs, even though I love it. Um, I can, I have another business partner who I think can kind of absorb what I'm doing, you know, um, but I have a lot of clients um, and it's not slowing down. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like in terms of staffing, so if you can't afford staff, there are a lot of different ways that you can go about getting staff to help you. Um, there are virtual assistants, which are incredibly cheaper than regular assistants. Um, there are um, different things that like, if you need like little stuff done, like, you know, a logo or a business card, there's Fiverr, there's all these different places. If you want to do it, right. yourself, there's Canva and you can create stuff like that. If you like Canva's really for, if you have no idea what you're doing, tons of templates, things like that. Um, right. So you can always get someone, you can always hire out for just like little projects you want. Um, I also hire out for stuff that I just don't have time to do. Like I am by no means pulling down all this money, but I hire and keep it made. Um, yeah. I decided that I just can't do it. <laughs> I'm That's right. My room is a mess and sometimes I need it not to be and I can't do it. So, you know, I have a maid. She's amazing. I love her because it's not as if I can't clean up for myself. I just can't clean up for myself. You know, it's like right. it's not happening right now. So, and there um, are more effective ways to use your time. Exactly. Exactly. Then worry about this, you know? So, um, those, my sisters, you know, who live in Atlanta, I live in New York. Like, Oh, Kathleen, you know, she's in New York. She's bougie. She has a maid. I'm like, it's not bougie. I don't have time. I'm running two businesses. I do not have time. Um, so it's just, it's kind of deciding where you need the work and where you need the help. Um, I yeah. have a, um, and you know, bartering, works too with friends who like run their own business and have different services. I have a friend who has a um, virtual assistant company. And so she does she has virtual assistants all over the place. And I was like, okay, look, if I throw some business your way, <laughs> can you throw Absolutely. Some my way? And we just work that way. She's been kind of my assistant slash just like sending emails. I have a lot of clients who need research. You know, they're like, can you research all of the influencers who do health and wellness? Sure, Jen, can you research? <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't <laughs> um, but there's other stuff that I have to work on. Um, I was uh, managing someone else's podcast. I had to work on that. Um, but in terms of finding guests for that podcast, I outsourced that out. Um, and I think also when you're a solo entrepreneur you tend to get a little control freaky you know you kind of you tend to get absolutely only i can do this only i can work on this and i was like that's just not true um which which causes so much paralysis and movement so and paralysis you, you, marcia you just sit there and stare at your laptop and try not to cry you don't do <laughs> anything you know and I, I feel like what can you let go you know, what kind of stuff can you let go? I um, finally released, you know, uh, we do all these videos for Fat Girls Dance and we're literally shooting a video 
every single week. And I don't have time to edit those videos and get them online. My lovely boyfriend knows how to edit video. And I'm like, awesome. you asked him to edit these videos and get them online because you're a control freak. That's why. And you're freaking <laughs> out. There's no reason why he can't do it for free. You know, you have editor friends who you could get to do it, but you have to pay them. Your boyfriend can and do so it. And so yeah. I just basically showed him how to do it, everything from editing it to getting it online. And I don't have to touch it at all now. And it's seamless and it's lovely, you know, um, everywhere from getting free help to uh, bartering with your friends to finding out where you can get other kinds of help. Um, if you're Absolutely. in the New York area, New York has all kinds of free services to get assistance, you know, Absolutely. all kinds of work studies for teens where the city pays them. You just have to have an office for them to work. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. There's a, um, oh God, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, well, hold on, hold on to all those nuggets. I am going to, we're going to just take a quick break okay. for our Her Sweet Spot Mindful Moment. We'll be right back with more from Kathleen Meredith. You're listening to Her Sweet Spot Experience. Here is your Mindful Moment. Welcome to the next Mindful Moment with me, Natasha Nurse. I'm the owner and co-founder of Dressing Roommate, a coaching and consulting platform dedicated to teaching women three vitally important things. First, how to think with clarity. Second, how to dress with confidence. Third, how to live with purpose. And for this Mindful Moment, I'll be teaching you the five essential tips needed to create your winning mindset. So let's jump into it. Number one, with a bullet, giving up is never an option. If you refuse to believe in yourself at any moment on your journey, you can never expect the world to believe in you. You can never expect the world to support your dreams and, and your aspirations because you've given up on you. So if you want a winning mindset, if you're creating your winning mindset, you will never give up on yourself. Second, stop caring what other people think. Are you living for you or are you living for others? Last time I checked, when we wake up in the morning, God willing, <laughs> we are in our body, which is our directive to say, hey, 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 I've got to focus the life I have for the body for which I am in. And this is your life. This is your time. The time is now for going out and doing what you set out to do regardless of what other people think, what other people are saying and what other people are doing. Your journey is your journey. Go ahead and live it. Keep moving forward and stop caring about the rest. Next, you have to be hungry to get the answers to the questions you have. And you and I both know there are questions. There are many, many questions we have. We have questions of in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, while we're sleeping. The questions never stop. But guess what? If you refuse to figure out those answers to those questions you have, you're going to what? You're going to stand in your way of your own progress of moving forward. And it's simple. We know the Google machine. Just reach out, pick up your phone, go on the computer, ask away. Get connected to the people who have the answers, dis discover the answers on your own. But no matter what, you've got to be hungry enough to get on this expedition. 
Sometimes we have to be a detective when it comes to figuring out how to make our dreams come true. And you are totally up for that challenge because you're a winner and you have a winning mindset. So let's do it. Next, fourth tip, start and end the day correctly. What do I mean by this? We can do whatever we want. That's the beauty of life and choice. However, we do know if we do certain things a certain way, we are most likely going to have a better outcome. So if we want to start and end our day correctly, what does that entail? We need to have daily consumption of positivity. There's a lot of negativity going on, a lot of things that we pay attention to that depress us, that hurt us, that make us feel bad, that make us question ourselves and our lives and our journeys. But Are we spending enough attention to the things that make us feel good, to the things that make us get activated and motivated and inspired to live the life that we want for ourselves? I'm guessing not enough, right? There's not enough, there's not enough time for the positivity because we're usually throwing it (laughs) towards negativity. And guess what? We don't have to. Today is the day that you can stop. And you can say, nope, I'm not going to go and look at that show that makes me hate where I live. I'm not going to go talk to that friend who makes me feel like I am just not who I need to be in this world. Instead, I'm going to listen to this mindful moment. I'm going to listen to this on repeat. I'm going to read a couple of articles. I'm going to write a couple of articles. I'm going to do what it needs, what I need to do to have the daily fill of positivity that will keep me moving forward, not relish in negativity and never move anywhere with that. Next, when it comes to starting and ending the day correctly, that would also entail eliminating distractions. There are people, things, and places that get in our way. If you cannot work at home, then you've got to find places to work at. If you cannot do X somewhere or do X near someone, We've got to eliminate the things and the obstacles that we choose to allow to be obstacles and things in our way, right? And also, you need to do this on repeat, right? Starting and ending your day correctly is all about a regimen, right? So this whole idea of like, I don't know how you know how to live by a, a calendar or I'm tired of living by the calendar, wherever you stand on that spectrum, you have to determine what are the things you need to absolutely do to be as productive and successful as you want to be, right? And whether that includes a calendar or not, you are in charge of figuring out what you need to do every single day. And you do it. And you and you do it over and over and over again. And at the end of the week, take an accounting. How did it go? How did Was one day better than the other? Was this week better than the other? And make adjustments as you go along. But that daily and weekly regimen, which turns into monthly and quarterly and annual regimen, is how you stay in that cycle of success, which what is all for having that winning mindset. So it all makes sense, guys. The fifth tip for having a winning mindset and creating that for yourself is simply to see yourself as a winner, right? Winners win because they tell themselves that they're winning in their mind before they even begin to execute in that reality. Winners also do what? They appreciate life lessons and they apply them 
in their actual lives. They don't take moments of challenge and obstacles and, and quote unquote failures and let that put them in a state of mind where they feel like they can't move on or that they can't accomplish what they want, but they learn. Winning is all about learning. So if you are able to learn and apply, you are on your way to having that winning mindset for you. So now I have some words of wisdom for uh, finishing up this concept of how do we create and maintain this winning mindset. And here it goes. Winners fall. Winners falter. Winners always get up. Winners never stay down. So when we talk about having a winning mindset, we're not talking about never failing. We're probably talking about making sure that you do fail (laughs) a couple of times over and over and over again. Why? Because those are not real failures. Failures don't exist. Those are teachable moments. And yes, there's some lessons we enjoy more than others, but there are lessons that we need to learn so that we know how to move forward, how to do things differently. So winners fall, winners falter, winners always get back up and you are always going to get back up. Next, not everyone around you has a winning mindset or is even interested in having a winning mindset, which, whoa, blows our minds, right? Absolutely. But you can't let those people stand in the way of you pursuing your goals. When you realize someone is not on the same page with you when it comes to having a winning mindset, say a prayer for them and keep it moving. You have very little time to waste on those people, on those situations. Keep moving forward, stick to your guns, and stick to your winning mindset. Lastly, it's easy to be negative. It's easy to feed into that doubt, that fear, that frustration. It's easy to do this. But you know what takes work? It takes work to be positive. It takes work to keep pushing forward. But you are a winner. You have a winning mindset. And you are moving closer to making your dreams come true. So with that, that concludes this mindful moment with me, Natasha Nurse, owner and co-founder of Dressing Roommate. And if you want to connect with me, you easily can do so by visiting dressingroom8.com. And you can also email me at natasha at dressingroom8.com. See you soon for our next mindful moment. Welcome back, guys. I hope you enjoyed our mindful moment brought to you by Her Sweet Spot, your strategic partners for your business. Now, let's get back to talking to Kathleen. Kathleen, I have been, like, loving this conversation. I am so – I love when I I do I, – I don't have all the information about my guests that could possibly be – out there. So I love that you come with this plethora of experience and knowledge as an entrepreneur in marketing, in social media uh, management and marketing and digital um, graphic design. I think you are a phenomenal person and you just have so much out there. I have a segment that we like to do here on the Her Sweet Spot experience called In the News. So in that, we're going to talk to you about some things that we may have heard in the news that have been posted online, and we want to get your feedback. Are you down for it? I'm down. Let's do it. All right, all right. So we want your feedback. Um, Do you agree? Do you not agree? Can you give us your advice? So on today's 
in the news segment. It's coming from gethealthyyou.com, and they are providing us five ways to practice what else but positivity in honor of you being our special guest for today. <laughs> so the first way to practice body positivity, according to gethealthyyou.com, is to recognize that we all come in different shapes and sizes. Let's say you, Kathy. Kathleen. Um, as record, ask me that one more time. You're saying that as, as a, as a mechanism for healthy living, practicing body positivity, they want people to recognize that we all come in different shapes and sizes. How important is it that we recognize that body positivity could, can be practiced with a person that is not just plus size. Oh God, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So acceptance of your body as is, um, which when you asked me what was the definition of body positivity, I said acceptance of your, of your body as is. Um, yeah. but also acceptance of others. You know, I feel like when you do this body positivity thing, yes. So first of all, body positivity, like back in the seventies was started by women of color and it was started by a uh, plus size woman. But I feel like there has to be, the more I talk to women and the more I talk to women of all size and to be honest, even men, some men I talk to, especially uh, men as a part of the LGBTQ uh, community, body mm -hmm. self hate is not, you know, designated. We don't own body self hate. Everybody's got that, you know, everybody's right. got that. We do not own the market of it. And just because we are marginalized and not accepted by society, it does not mean that a lot of people aren't going through the same exact body issues and body hate. So I always say size two to 322, all of us have to start accepting bodies and stop treating people like they're trash because, oh, she's a skinny bitch, you know? Right. Um, oh, she's, she's that blonde broad, you know, that kind of thing. Becky with long hair. I, I think we're losing in the game, you know, the way we turn on each other, you know? Um, right. Another stat that I had heard about was two out of three mean tweets on Twitter are done by women and they're about ourselves. So yes. I, this, this, this self-hate is insidious and we crap on each other. Um, and I feel like part of the way to turn this thing around and turn around these um, unnatural and unattainable beauty standards as if we stop subscribing to it and part of the way we stop subscribing to it is stop stopping the mean girl crap between amongst ourselves you know oh us, gosh we could talk we could talk for hours about the mean girl and, and part of why i started this whole business and, and women on the rise movement um, but number two on the five ways to practice body positivity according to get healthy dot com is practice positive self talk now we talk about just um you know affirmations but how important to you is practicing positive self-talk i think the the important part about what you just said is practice you know um I think when you are in an unhealthy relationship with someone and it's been going on for so long that when that person says something nice to you, you're not going to believe it. Um, right. 
especially the first time they say it. So we're talking about an inner dialogue that has been consistently negative and mean and trashy and awful. The meanest of the mean girls lives inside your head. So yeah. I feel like combating that chick um because even if you say you look nice today she's gonna say no you don't she's gonna shoot it right back at you practice is the important and operative word um there is no instagrammable grub hub you know microwavable way towards wellness and self-love yeah practice it is consistency like i mean think about any marriage that's what i say when i tell people about self-love think about any marriage and all the stuff that it takes hard work dedication some fights you know some disagreements some compromises constant 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 communication you know that's how a marriage works and if you are going to spend the rest of your life in this body you have to be willing to do all of those things um and it does have to be a practice it has to be a change if you're going to wake up and do daily affirmations you can't do this for a week you can't do this for a month you have to do this for years and you have to do I love that for years to see change and then in order to keep it up you got to keep it up you know um you can't tell your spouse I love them I love you at the wedding and never say it again you know you yeah. have saying it and I feel like um we want to start loving ourselves tomorrow and it's like you you have to heal the disconnection first and that's a lot of work my four-year-old son says to me, why do you keep saying I love you, mommy? I know. I said, because no one, I didn't say this to him, but in my mind, I said, I know, I just want you to remember all the time. Um, but in my mind, I was, I'm thinking, because it wasn't something that happened regularly enough in my childhood. Mm. So that's something I want to change. And you, I think you're so right. It, it's I, a I practice. Your, your four-year-old even said that means that you're doing a great job. He's like, woman, I know. I know I'm <laughs> like calm down, girl. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're raising a great kid. Oh, uh, thanks. I, I I hope so. <laughs> so number three on the at five ways to practice body positivity according to gethealthyyou.com is switch from fear to gratitude. I get I'm gonna say it again switch from fear to gratitude. I completely agree. I completely agree. I, lo um, I love that one. That one is so powerful because people don't realize that fear is negativity and being ungrateful. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's both and. It's, it's negativity, it's being ungrateful, and it's robbing yourself in the world of who the hell you are. Um, I was reading this thing that a friend showed me that was talking about um, switching apologies to gratitude, you know? Mm, yes. I, I feel like we are so apologetic for taking up space. We are so apologetic for walking in the room and owning it. If there's all this, I'm sorry. You know, I have a friend and I call her on it all the time because it gets on my nerves. Literally, she calls me, pick up the phone. I go, hello. She goes, hey, I'm sorry. Um, I was like, you're sorry for what? For calling me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, calling, you're sorry for being here? I don't understand. Why are you sorry? I shut her down every time. Um, yeah. But, you know, instead of, you know, you're late. You know, thank you so much for your patience. 
you know? Right. Thank you so much for, you know, it's, it's like if someone keeps having to do something for me, it's like, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for keep supporting me. You know, stop apologizing for needing help. Stop apologizing for you taking care of yourself so you're a little late. Stop apologizing. It's not, and I'm not going as far as to say that we never need to say I'm sorry, but we need to save those for when they're actually necessary. But, right. Apologizing for just being alive, for just right. being, being human. Um, and that is in and of itself fear, fear of being there, fear of you being who the hell you are, you know, and fear of owning it. And I, I don't think men apologize as much as we do for doing I mean, why are we even apologizing? You know, it's like we apologize for shit and they apologize for nothing. <laughs> and we apologize for stuff that we don't even, you know, need. How about they, they turn it around on us so that we wind up apologizing for them when it's something they did, bro? <laughs> you better preach, Marsha. You better preach. It's absolutely insane. So, yeah, I feel like stop apologizing, live in gratitude. Stop being fearful, live in gratitude. And um, I feel like that gratitude will start grounding you into, um, no, I deserve to be here. I'm, I'm going to yeah. start apologizing. I'm going to start living more fearlessly. Uh, that gratitude is going to start turning things around in your head. And that goes back to the previous one we just said about practice. All of that. Takes yes. Time. Yes. Number four of the five ways to practice body positivity, according to gethealthyyou.com is set health related fitness goals instead of size-related fitness goal. Now, this one speaks to me very much because I, I have um, a friend of mine who her ultimate, she's a, she works out like crazy, and her ultimate goal is that size, that look. And I'm like, girl, I just don't want to have to huff and puff, but it's not necessarily, my goals for working out are not necessarily attached to getting down to the next you know, dress size. Well, that's where our value is, right? So if I get down to the next dress size, size that I'm more valuable, if I get down to right. the next size, then maybe, you know, I'll get that dream guy that I've always wanted. If I get down to the next dress size, maybe people will notice me when I walk in the room. So that's really what it's attached to. If we as women did not think our value was in our body and our body type and our ability to procreate, because we're right. still, I mean, we have women who are running countries now. We have women who are doing all kinds of amazing things. But for some of us, we're still stuck in this archaic idea that our bodies are attached to our beauty, our ability to attain someone, and our ability to procreate. And yeah. we're, we're so much bigger than that. That's such a small microcosm of what a, what a woman can do. You know, being able to be a mom and, you know, being able to give birth is friggin' amazing. And we're the only ones who can do it. And that's great. I, I, I would go as far as to say, possibly we were put on the planet to do more. Because if all we had Absolutely. to do was out a baby, why would we need brains? We would just, you know, sit somewhere in an incubator. A guy would come and impregnate us and we'd just sit there. We have brains for a reason. <laughs> we Absolutely. Were, we were meant to contribute to society and culture. And whenever we do, it's lovely. So I, I do think that there is this idea that um, there is an obesity crisis in America, that obesity crisis is not just attached to women, and that obesity crisis is not just attached to beauty. 
but we have a really twisted idea of what health is. And I feel like um, I was at this conference with a bunch of um, doctors and nurses and uh, 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 physicians, and it was incredible. And this um, this doctor who does gastric bypass surgery, he was talking about, you know, listen, if we put McDonald's out of business tomorrow and we all grew our own food and we were all eating healthy and organic, there were no more sodas, we all drank water, we would still have a huge spectrum of different sizes and looks because that's just the way it is. They act as if if we all started eating healthy and ran three miles every day, we'd all be a size two. That's not true. We'd all right. be sizes. Um, and there's all kinds of examples of it, of women um, and men of all different sizes who dance, who run miles, six and seven miles a day, who do marathons and triathlons, and they just, their bodies don't look like ripped and that's completely okay um but i feel like it's not okay by cosmetic standards and so this idea that if you need to get healthy if you have high blood pressure if you're pre-diabetic which is one in three americans um and those aren't all women if you have all of these things going on absolutely get healthy but get healthy for you not by the scale and if the scale is the scale is one way to gauge whether you're not whether you're getting healthy or not. It is not the only way to gauge. There's right. things. Are you breathing healthier? Are you sleeping well? You know, um, do you have more energy? You know, um, do you feel better? Are you happier? You know, there are all these other ways to gauge. You know, if you're getting healthier, that are not solely in your waistline getting thinner. You know, I absolutely agree that there's a lot more to it, but I feel like we as women have a lot of unpacking to do with our ideologies of what healthy is. And if healthy is too attached to beauty, then we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. Number five of the five ways to practice body positivity, according to GetHealthyYou.com, is live the life you want right now agreed i completely agree with that again one of the four principles i believe in for body positivity is acceptance of your body as it is right now and there is so much science behind the necessity of that to lose weight and that's what blew my mind after i started doing the research there's this study in psychoneuroimmunology that basically talks about how your body on a biological level um, is listening to everything you think. And so negative thoughts that you have in your body keep your body in fight or flight mode. When your body is in fight or flight mode, and I'm summarizing this, by the way, so right. Google it. So. <laughs> but if your body is in, if your nervous system is in fight or flight mode, it cannot do natural things that it's supposed to do, which is immune system building, digestion, repair. Those last 15 pounds that you're trying to drop, you're not going to drop them because your body is freaking out every time you look in the mirror. You know, your body's like, oh my God, fight or flight, fight or flight. Your body doesn't wow. content. And so your body, you know, back when fight or flight was only meant for like, if you saw a saber toothed tiger and you need to run, you know, right, <laughs> right. you're in fight or flight every day because you're stressed, because you're exhausted and because you were consistently sending negative, hateful things into your body. And those hateful things come off as a threat. So you're a threat to yourself. Um, Your body isn't going to be able to drop weight that way. Um, And so I feel as if there's a lot of science going on that's 
telling people, look, body positivity is not cute, woo-woo bullshit. It's science. And if you don't start a healthy relationship with your body, we're never going to really eradicate this health crisis that we have. We're not, we're not pairing the self-hate that is in America with the obesity crisis. We're not putting them together. They are, there's a lot of causation and the connection between them, not to mention all of the things that happen when you self-hate. You know, women's caloric intake comes up when they self-hate. You know, there's a direct line between people reading negative things on social media and the stuff that they put in their bodies. You know, yeah. all things are completely connected and we're not marrying them. We're not paying attention to them. We're just saying, oh, you know, that's tough love. You know, body positivity, you know, is bullshit. You know, if you're fat, you need to start doing, you know, body positivity is promoting obesity and you need to start doing more, you know, by me telling you, hey, you're fat, I'm giving you tough love. You know, I'm, I'm helping you understand your problem. You know, and people need to be more honest. This stuff is too woo-woo. It's actually not true. Self-hate has done more negative things for health and wellness than body positivity. Health, uh, self-hate has taken more lives than body positivity. And I feel like when, once we start really getting that information out, we have to start realizing you need to start with the self-acceptance right now. Start with your self-acceptance right now, and I promise you, the other stuff is going to start working. The green smoothies you drink in the morning are going to start working. The time you've been going to dance class and doing the treadmill, that's going to start working because your body's in a better place to absorb the healthy stuff you're doing. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. That makes so much sense, and it is mind-blowing. <laughs> and we, we could spend another hour talking about that but this is our time. Kathleen, I, I need to get you back on the show. We need to talk some more. <laughs> it's been so fantastic talking to you. I really appreciate you for taking this time to share with us, giving us your nuggets, guys. I told you guys, my guests come prepared to share and they come prepared to help you get to your next level in the place that you are in right now. So I hope you guys have learned a lot today and are feeling super, super positive about your body and the place where you're taking your business. Kathleen, I just want to thank you again for being our guest today. Tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm Fat Girls Dance Movement. Um, on Twitter, I'm Fat Girls Dance. And um, our website is fatgirlsdance.com. If you want to email me, you can email me at hey at fatgirlsdance.com. Thank you guys so much. That's our show for today. I love you guys for listening. Until next time, you know how I feel. When we empower each other, we all rise. Thanks for joining us this week on the Her Sweet Spot Experience. Make sure to visit our website, www.hersweetspot.com. That's her, S-U-I-T-E, spot.com, where you can become a member of our growing community and get great content for your life and business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We are your strategic partners to grow your business.